Hello, hello. We're going to talk today about the Constitution. Now, I want to start off and define the Constitution and what we're actually talking about. So we have a the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America. That is the Constitution of the United States. And, and we need to kind of be clear about what this United States Constitution is actually doing. So if you think about the fact that you, when you were born, you were a Georgia citizen, for example, and as such, you are a citizen of the state of Georgia. However, the, the government also takes your birth certificate and registers you as a United States citizen as well. Now, the United States, as we've talked about earlier, is a state located in the District of Columbia, and they have their own rules and regulations, and, and the Constitution allows them to create any rule and regulation that they want to within the United States. Okay? So the Constitution that we have, so as an example, we have a First Amendment right to freedom of speech. I'm exercising that right now. Is that really true, though? What we actually have is we have a natural-born ability to speak. We have the ability to speak freely about anything that we want to speak about. What the Constitution does is it limits the ability of the government to infringe on our natural ability to speak. So when you say that you have a First Amendment right, that's not actually true. You don't have a First Amendment right. We have a right to freedom of speech. The First Amendment is put in place to limit the government's ability to infringe on our ability to, free, to speak freely. So when we, we have to really understand what it is that we're saying when we say that we have a Fifth Amendment right to freedom of papers or whatever it is. That is an amendment that was put there to limit the government's ability to infringe on our natural right to have our own paper and our own property and our own stuff. And so... The Constitution of the United States is a document, and it's very short uh, because in order for them to modify this, they have to go through two-thirds majority of the House and Senate, and then they have to go through a, uh, a, an amendment process that, that the, um, the Office of—let um, me get back over to my page here— the uh, OFR— the office, the the uh, office of federal registry, they register the fact that two thirds of the majority of the House and Senate have passed this legislation, and then it is sent. They send it out to all the individual states to ratify, and once they get three quarters of the states to ratify, so that'd be thirty eight of the fifty states would have to ratify this amendment before it actually becomes part of the U.S. Constitution. But again, the U.S. Constitution, the, the amendments are put in here for our protection. And that's why there's only 25 of these amendments that have ever been created. Now, since the Civil War, the federal government has actually put amendments in here to give themselves power or to take away some of our rights. Um, and so there are some issues with this whole process, but 
we all need to understand that there's a huge difference between the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution. And we're going to get in that a little bit more in depth in just a moment. But the first thing that I want to do is I want to take a look at a constitution that was found in Maine, and it was the original 1825 Constitution of Maine. That in and of itself is pretty cool. However, what's even more cool or more interesting is that if you scroll to the bottom of that document, they actually included the Declaration of Independence and the, the Bill of Rights. And so reading the Bill of Rights is very interesting because there is an Article 13 or a, a, a ch the Article 13 that covers something that our Constitution doesn't have. And again, this is the U.S. Constitution. This is not the main Constitution. And I'm going to get into the state constitutions in a moment. But this is a U.S. Constitution. So how did the, did the U.S. Constitution in 1825 have this article? And I'm going to read it here. It says... Article 13, if any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor, or shall, without the consent of Congress, accept and retain any present pension, office, or emolument of any kind whatsoever from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, such person shall cease to be a, United States, a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office or trust or profit under them or either of them. Now, one of the things that's explained about this, this article is that it was specifically put here to limit attorneys from being able to serve on any, in any political office of the United States. That would not stop them from being able to serve in a state government, for example, but it did stop them from being able to serve in the United States government. And so somehow this article was replaced by the slavery article 13 that we now look at every day and think that it's part of the Constitution. So my question is any, and it, you can flip through the Constitution and see that amendments, in order to remove an amendment, a previous amendment, you have to repeal it by another amendment. You can't just take it out of the book and say it never existed. So there has not been a repeal of this article, and I'm really interested, and it's one of my big research projects right now, is I'm really interested in what happened to this article because the fact that it was in the, the Constitution for Maine in 1825, 1825 is when Maine was accepted into the United States to, to being part of the, the, uh, the, the different states. So it's really curious how they would have copied a, a constitution into their constitution and you know, made it up. So you would have to assume that this article came from all the other states, three quarters of the other states ratifying this uh, to get it into, into the Bill of Rights. So how did it disappear? Now, one of the things that I want to look at here is, is the state constitutions, because it's been very confusing to me in researching this, is how do the state governments enforce a United States law. So as an example, when the federal government passes, the, the House and Senate passes a rule that says that it's illegal to, you know, drive over 100 miles an hour, for example. Well, 
what happens at the state level to make that a law in the state because the federal government does not have the ability to pass a law that a state is just automatically, you know, responsible for, for doing that, you know, the state itself has sovereign sovereignty over the federal government. It's not the other way around. The, the federal government doesn't control the states. The states control the federal government. So how is it that we have these laws that get passed in the federal government and then all of a the sudden they become, you know, illegal for a state to do or to, to impose on its citizens? And I think I may have an ex I'm still researching this. I may change my mind as I get a little bit deeper into this, but I think what ha is happening is that the federal government, when you're born, they take your birth certificate and automatically register you as a, as a United States citizen. And, and as such, you are responsible for all of the rules that they pass because you're a United States citizen. And that's why uh, some of those Supreme Court cases that we looked at, they actually said there's a huge difference between a state citizen and a, a United States citizen. And people can have both, but their rights as each are different. They're, they're not the same rights. And so I think, I don't think it's a matter of the federal government coming into the state and imposing their rules. I think that they are able to do this because the person that the rules are being applied to is actually a United States citizen. And so the Georgia rules in that particular instance, the Georgia rules don't apply because they have they have admitted that they are a United States citizen or, you know, as fraudulently as I feel that it is to just automatically list people as United States citizens without explaining what that means. I, I you know, I have a huge problem with that, but the person has never put himself forward as not being a United States citizen, and therefore he is subject to all of the rules that the federal government passes. And so I think, I, I, again, I, I could be wrong in, in this assumption because at this point it is an assumption, but I think some of the confusion about this mixing between federal and state laws is primarily because we are all dual citizens. We're not a single citizen of a state. We're dual citizens of the United States government, the state of the United States, and the state of Georgia in my case. So that's the, the current, my current thought as far as how this is working. Now, I wanted to talk a minute about state constitutions. So we know that to ratify a national, I mean, the federal constitution, it has to be two-thirds House, two-thirds Senate, and then it has to go through all of the ratification of all the states, or at least three-quarters of the states, before it can actually go into the Constitution. In the case of a state Constitution, however, that's not the case at all. They, each state has its own rules. And, the, for example, the state of Georgia has actually had 10 different Constitutions. And there's and there's all you know reasons and things that have happened for why there's been ten of them. I think the state of Massachusetts has had forty or fifty. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a massive amount of constitutions that have been legislated through the Massachusetts. I think it was Massachusetts. So the state itself has its own constitution, 
And when a state establishes a constitution, because it is part of the United States, it's part of the United States of America, not, it's not part of the United States government, it's part of the United States of America, um, of the several states, um, it has the ability to have its own, well, it does, it, has, it is sovereign over the federal government. So it has its own constitution, its own laws. And so, but, but one of the things that it has agreed to is the fact that it will also not violate any of our Bill of Rights or, or what we, you know, call our Bill of Rights, but are more specifically the limitations of government. So the, the state constitutions, on average, they all try to adopt uh, legislation that conforms with the Bill of Rights that you have at the United States level in your Bill of Rights. So you end up with things that are close to being what it is that you think you have. Um, so, for example, um, I think, uh, let me see if I still have it up here. Um, where did it go? Let's see. Hang on one second. I'm looking for, I had the Constitution of Georgia here. And here, so here is the, the Constitution for the state of Georgia. One of the things that you have here is in the Constitution of the United States, you have a Second Amendment right, and it says a well-regulated militia being necessary to secure to the security of a free state, the right of the people to, bear, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So that is a United States amendment that is preventing the federal government, the, the United States, from taking any of our guns or to, to prevent us from doing anything with the militia. However, if I look at the state of Georgia, the current uh, constitution for the state of Georgia, and I, I, I don't think there's even any mention in here about a militia, but it says arms, so this is arms, right to keep and bear arms. It says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, but the General Assembly shall have power to prescribe the manner in which arms may be borne. So this, for the state of Georgia, it has an amendment in here that protects us from, you know, from the government being able to take our arms. However, it has some some limitations in here that the federal government absolutely does not have they the federal government is limited in all sense of regulating arms but in the state of georgia it actually they we have a constitution that does have some limiting powers here for citizens of the state of georgia so it is reasonable to assume that any of the states could pass a law that says that you cannot bear arms in that state. So as an example, people like to claim that it, they live in Washington, D.C., but it, there it is illegal for them to have guns, and that's unconstitutional. But in fact, it is not unconstitutional because they live in a, in a state, which is the District of Columbia, and the Constitution gives that state a special privilege, which is they can pass any law that they, that they want to pass. So... In that state, if you live in that state of di the District of Columbia, you have no rights. The, the federal government actually literally can do anything they want to. So that is kind of a, a, an overview of the way the constitutions actually work and how they're all tied together. So you, we, we need to, you know, in addition to knowing your constitutional rights as a United States citizen, 
which, you know, I am actually considering majorly uh, rejecting my United States citizenship because of all the corruption that's going on there and only being a state citizen of Georgia. But whether you want to do that or not, and I'm not suggesting that you do, I'm just I'm, I'm just looking into that for myself. But the whether you want to do that or not, we really ought to be reading our state constitutions. Now, they're a lot longer. They're a lot. But you have a Bill of Rights in every state constitution. You should at least know what those Bill of Rights are. Whether you want to go through and read all the legislature and all the other stuff that they do in that in your state, that's totally up to you. In the state of Georgia, it's seventy six pages. I think in the in in Massachusetts or one of the one of those states, it's it's seven hundred pages. So, you know, it it really is up to you whether you want to dive in and read all that stuff. But you should at least be aware of your bill of rights at the state level. Um, because they also apply to what that state's capable of doing, what they are doing. Now, it's also worth mentioning that a state can amend its constitution anytime that you know. And in, in the their their constitution, it tells how they go about doing that. But they can amend their constitution anytime they want. They you know they all they have to do is go through the follow the procedures that are laid out in their constitution and they can call for a you know for a, a constitutional convention at the state level and make that state constitution whatever they want. Um, it has no bearing on what the federal the United States Constitution is actually doing. They they try to you know follow as closely as they can or as that they want to, but they don't have to. They they you know the state constitution could go in and remove a right. I would assume. Um, I don't I don't know what and that's something I'm still researching. I don't know what limitations are there to to prevent that, but. Um, we definitely need to be aware of our state constitutions because they play a whole lot bigger role in what's going on than you think. And also, remember, you are a United States citizen, and that gives the United States government a whole lot more control over you than you thought.